0: this evening. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, You know, it's always a joy to minister the Word. I've been ministering the Word since I was 17 years old in different places at different times, and I remember very well when the Lord called me to preach. I was standing in a church service, and I felt the touch of the Lord's hand on the side of my face, on the side of my mouth, and I didn't know what to do with it. I just thought, man, you know, I don't know anything about preaching, and Over a long period of time, I went through a lot of different things, and the Lord finally brought me to the place where I would trust Him and allow Him to speak through me, and especially through revelation knowledge. Uh, Tonight, you know, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever I spoke last, uh, I was speaking on spiritual reality. And, uh, you know, uh, I want to remind you, kind of take up where I left off the last time. Some of you were here, some of you weren't. But I can tell you this, you know, Jesus came to a place where John sent his disciples to him and said, you know, ask him if he's the one that we ought to be looking for. And for Pete's sake, he's the one that pointed him out. And you know, he got to the place where he was discouraged and, and ostracized from the rest of the church. And anyways, after Jesus met with them and he said, you know, go back, referred him back to the word, referred him back to the stability, the word that never changes. He said, refer him back to that. And after he left, he turned to the crowd and he said, You know what? There's not any man born among women any greater than John the Baptist. And that put John on a tremendous pedestal, right? No, no, no man born among women greater than John the Baptist. And then he said this, which I think is life changing. And certainly it'll lead us into the prayer that I'm going to talk about tonight. He said, You know, uh, he said, if, if uh, you know, he's talking about the fact that, that he was greater. And he said, you know, notwithstanding, the the person, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. And man, I used to read that and think, how could anybody be greater than John the Baptist other than Jesus? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, he's greater, that person who comes into the kingdom, who doesn't know anything, they get born again, they don't even know the Bible from the Reader's Digest. He He said, they're greater in birth. They're born from above. They're new creations in Christ Jesus. And along with that, he also said they are greater in covenant. And I will say this to you with all of my heart. If if you'll take the time sometime to get into the Bible and study blood covenant, man, it will change your life. It will give you a perspective. And certainly, it will give you great insight in how God sees marriage you know, a t- proper marriage in this earth between a man and a woman who truly love one another is a picture of our covenant with God. And, you now that's, that's awesome when you think about it. But nevertheless, in, in understanding that we are greater, we have a greater covenant, we have a better covenant, this is the foundation, understanding this is the foundation for prayer. You know, you have to start somewhere. You have to have something that you can depend on, something that's stable underneath you. And, you know, for years I would try to pray, and I prayed all over the place. I did those shotgun prayers, you know, I mean. And then I'd get tired of that for a while, and then I would just make a list, and I'd pray for everybody on my list. Then after a while I'd get tired of that, and then I would do something else, and I would pray for everything I could think of. And actually I got to the place where I would get frustrated. And you know, I didn't have the foundation that I'm going to speak to you about tonight, the foundation that we all need. And certainly in the time coming up when we have 21 days of prayer, I'm going to say some things to you that will quite possibly change the way that you pray. So you have to have this foundation for prayer, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. It says that he, Jesus, is the mediator of a better covenant which is established upon better promises. We have a better deal. We have a new deal. You know, it's hard for people. A lot of times they read the Bible. I call them Bible compressors. They go all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. They jam it all together and try to live out of both sides. You can't do that. Jesus put it like this. He said, you can't put new wine into old wine skins. You can't sew a new piece of cloth onto an old because they are not compatible. And yet, even though he said that, we try to do that a lot. We, have to, we try to do that in prayer many times. You know, when you learn some things and you begin to grow in the Lord and mature in the Lord, you, le- you watch people. You listen to how they speak. You listen to how they sing. You listen to how they pray. And I remember one time in a service before I got up to speak to the people, We went back into another room, and there was a pastor there of that church. There was a couple of other guys there, and we went in that back room. And this guy began to pray, and he began the prayer by telling God how worthless we were and how how we didn't deserve anything. And we were just, you know, all but worms. We just, all these kind of things. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh, you know what? Uh, I believe that we have a closer relationship with God than that. And so we have a, look at this first point that I have here. A better covenant equals a better way to pray. You know, Jesus said this to the lady, the woman at the well. He said, there's coming a time that all who worship God are going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, there's going to be a change taking place. And, you know, if we have a better way of worshiping God, if we have a better way of having a relationship with God, then there is a better way to pray. And, you know, for a lot of Christians, that's like saying, you know, I've been praying all my life. I mean, it's been working out pretty well for me. But, you know, I am for things that work. I'm I'm one of these people, I want to see results. You know, I grew up in a lot of Christian rhetoric, I mean, I can just tell you all the things that we used to say, you know, let go and let God, you know, we'd have a personal relationship with God and nobody could ever tell me how. And as a result of it, I would get frustrated. And there would be times when I would stop going to church because I was so frustrated. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't see a whole lot of results in the people around me to make me want to, to, to continue in, 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 in the things of God. But we have a better covenant established on a better promise, better covenant even a better way to pray. And I remember in Luke chapter 9, there's an instance where Jesus, Luke chapter 9, and I don't know if this is in your notes or not, but Luke chapter 9, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to be offered up, to be crucified, and he had to go through Samaria. And the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along with one another. It goes back to a lot of history where they worshiped God in a different way. And they had to pass through Samaria. And so the disciples went ahead and the Samaritan says, well, since he's going to Jerusalem, we don't want him staying with us. And they came and told Jesus that. (laughs) And they looked at Jesus and they said, hey, you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? You want us to torch them? And Jesus looked at him and he said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. Now, what did he mean by that? In other words, you don't know what covenant you're of. He said the Son of Man has not come to destroy lives, but that people could receive life. Remember John 3.16? Remember John 3.17? For he sent not his Son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Did you know most Christians, there there, there are people all over the world who pray, and they don't know what spirit they're of. They're still trying to get God to do things that he's already done in Christ. Of his fullness have we all received, it says in the Gospel of John. Of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. You know, the the biggest thing that Christians have a hard time with is trying to find out or taking the time to find out what they already have in Christ. These guys wanted the destruction that they saw Elijah do in the Old Testament if you look over in 1 Kings, you'll see that story where the king was trying to seek advice from somewhere outside of the prophet, and he sent those soldiers out to find this guy, and Elijah comes along, and he sent them back to the king. Then he went and sat on a hill somewhere, and the king made the king mad, and he said, You go get him. So he sent 50 soldiers out there, and they demanded that Elijah come. Guess what? He called fire down on them and melted them right there. There was another 50 that went out, and he melted those guys. And I think there was a third group. And I've always thought this, and if you meditate these things, the Lord will speak to you. And there are some things, it's not that it's humorous, but you begin to put yourself in the place of the people who were commanded to do what they were doing. And they sent this last guy out there. And he's going out there, and he knows what's happened. He approaches Elijah, and he looks around, and there's all these charred bones lying around. And he knows that this guy's got something going with God, but he has to command him, but he doesn't do that. Man, he says, in a way, he says it like this, you know, Elijah, if if you could find it in yourself, you know, if you want to, come on down and talk to the king. He would like to talk to you. He didn't get burned up. The whole thing was, as these guys, had, they were still in the old covenant, and they still saw job. God, the disciples saw God as being really judgmental. They saw Him judging sin. That's all they had ever known. They didn't have the Bible like we have it today. They didn't know what grace was. They didn't know Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. You know, a lot of them were having a hard time just believing that He was the Messiah. And, you know, if you put yourself, learn to project yourself into their place as you study the Word. Let God speak to you that way. You begin to ask questions. The Holy Spirit will begin to answer those questions. A moment ago, we were singing that song about, you know, there won't be any more pain. There won't be any more sorrow, all of those things. And one day, I was walking through the house, and I said, Lord, it's so awesome. You know, old things will pass away. Behold, you'll make all things new and the Lord said, yeah, and I started with you. And I stopped. I said, you started with me? He said, yeah, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He started with us. And I, and I guarantee you, if you'll just meditate that, it'll, you'll, you'll understand the awesome love of God and how powerful it is to you. We have a better covenant established on better promises. We have a better way to pray. And look at point number two. Pull that up there. We have gap insurance. <laughs> you know what gap insurance is. Let me tell you this. Many years ago, my wife and I were in a car dealership, and we were buying a brand-new car a long time ago. And uh, we were sitting there, and we, they sent us back to the finance office like they do, you know, to work out the details. And we're sitting there, and the guy says, Mr. Condry, he said, based on what you're buying here and what your finances are uh, financing, he said, you need gap insurance. I looked at him, and I looked at my wife, she's looking at me, and I said, I, I know what health insurance is, I know what basic car insurance is, but what is gap insurance? And he kind of laughed, and he said, well, it's like this, he said, the car you're buying and financing, what you're financing it for, and the cash value of that car, if you total it out, are totally different. In other words, if you total that thing out in a couple of days, then it's totaled out Well, the difference that you owe and that you finance, you're liable for that. And I thought, man, that could be hundreds, even thousands of dollars. And then for what he showed me, that I could buy that product uh, of gap insurance, it was pretty minimal. And I said, yeah, I'll add that on there. And I'll put this in there, and some of you know it better than I do, but if you sell that car at a later time, within a certain amount of time, you get that stuff back. You get that money back. You just, don't, if you, you just know, have to know how to apply for it. I've done it a few times through the years. They won't gen- generally tell you that because they don't want you to give you the money back. They probably get thousands of dollars there monthly off the fact that people don't know how to get that money back. But look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.19. This is a foundation for prayer. Now listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5.19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Who's them? The world. Everybody in the world. God's not mad anymore. He's not upset. He's not even ticked off. Isn't that awesome to know? He's not imputing the trespasses to men. Listen, when you pray, if you don't know this, if you think God's mad at you, if you think He's upset, if He thinks He's, you're, he's holding a grudge for something you did years ago or maybe ten seconds ago, it will affect the way you pray. It'll bring condemnation to you. You'll back off, and Satan will just stand back and clap his hands and say, yeah, you don't understand. <laughs> I know, but you don't uh, You don't understand. Jesus forever closed the gap between man and God. He was the propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. When he went to the cross, it was the turning point. It was the pivotal point for all of humanity in the way that they could relate to God and he could relate to them. Do you understand until Jesus resurrected and came forth from the tomb until he was glorified, nobody, nobody had the access to God like we do. Jesus forever closed the gap. We have gap insurance. But let me tell you something, when he purchased that insurance for us, he didn't pay for it with money. You know what he paid for it with? His precious blood, his precious sinless blood paid for that policy for us. And it's one that will never be broken. You study blood covenant and you'll find out that blood covenant is so strong. It is the total giving of one to another and, and, and the other to the, to the other party. So much so that they say this as they approach one another and make this covenant one another. It's more or less they say till death do us part. The only way that we'll ever get out of this covenant is if we die. You, this covenant that we have exists from, between God the Father and the man, the man God, Jesus, our perfect representative. God ain't going anywhere. Jesus ain't going anywhere. And when you believed into Jesus, guess what? You ain't going anywhere. Isn't that awesome? That's gap insurance. <laughs> Praise God. And you can't put a value on that. You have to know that you have a better covenant. You have a better way to pray when you pray. You have to know that the gap has been closed. Listen to me. This is so important to understand. So much of the songs that we sing, so much of the things that we say, we perpetuate a gap between us and God. And we don't realize it. You know, God not only He does walk with us, but He walks in us as God has said, I will dwell in you, I will walk in you, I will be your God, you'll be my people. Then he said, I'll receive you and be a father unto you, and you'll be my sons and daughters. He is on the inside of us. There is no gap there. Now let's look at this, number three, point number three. We no longer pray like Old Testament saints trying to close the gap. Listen to me. There are prayers throughout the Old Testament This is very important to understand. We don't have to beg God to create in us a clean heart anymore. He's already done that. You ever heard of the hidden man of the heart? You're a new creation in Christ. You don't have to beg God to bless you anymore. Ephesians chapter 1 says that he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You don't have to ask God to accept you anymore to do the right things to get Him to accept you. You've been accepted in the Beloved. Man, you could just keep going on and on and on. The New Covenant proclaims these truths to you. If you don't know this, when you pray, when you pray, you will try to close a gap. You'll try to get God to do something to to accept you. And then you'll fall into this thing that Satan really loves. You'll just start trying to come up with everything you've ever done and how you've blown it in the last week. And how that, you know, God, you just know I'm just, you know, you know, I just can't help myself, and you'll just go off into a pity party. And, you know, the devil sit around and said, yeah, yeah, that's where I want you. Because you're not going to pray. You you know, you're not going to have fervent prayer. You're not going to be expecting of God. All you're going to be doing is a religious thing. you got to understand how important that this is. Now let's move on down. look at number four. Point number four. Pray with the understanding that you are one with Jesus. Oh, this is so special. This is something that has meant so much in my life because the Lord in the last couple of years has dealt with me tremendously on oneness. You know, I asked God for a revelation of his love and he gave me that revelation. I asked him for a revelation of oneness and he gave me that revelation. And when you get that revelation into your heart, it can't be blasted out. And you're aware of it all the time. Look at this. Pray with the understanding that you're one with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. When you believed into Jesus, your spirit, your spirit was fused into his spirit. Jesus has a spirit. He's a man. He's still a man. He's a glorified man in heaven. He's still a man. There's only one mediator between uh, God and men in this earth. It's the man, Jesus, the Bible says. He didn't stop being a man because he went to heaven. He has a glorified body. He has a spirit. There is the Holy Spirit. There is God who is a living spirit. You have a spirit also. Your spirit was fused with the spirit of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, as he is, so are you in this world. Not in your flesh, not in your mind, but in your spirit, in your being. If you pray from there and you have this foundation, you know that his ears are open unto the righteous. Does he, did he hear Jesus when he prayed? Yes. He, he heard everything that Jesus prayed. Why would he not hear you? See, the only reason you wouldn't think so is because you're looking at your flesh and you don't think you're worthy of being heard. Satan loves that. He'll drive that home to you. Who do you think you are that God would listen to you? Listen, look at what you said yesterday. Look what you did five minutes ago. Look how you've been thinking. Look at the thoughts you've had. God ain't going to hear you. Man, when you start hearing that kind of stuff, you ought to start rejoicing. Ah, (laughs) yeah, you're confirming to me that he is hearing me. I heard a guy say this not too long ago, and I thought of this before. He said, you ever pray about something and things got worse? You ever done that before? Man, I've prayed. I've prayed in tongues and things. I've done that, and it just seems like things just get worse. And you know what the first inclination is? God, what, what's going on? Why aren't you hearing me? What's going on here? Did you know you need to discern this real fast? By the fact that things are getting worse, for every advancement in the spirit realm, there's a counter advancement. For every attack, there's a counter attack. You know when things get worse, it's when you ought to say, "Yeah, something's happening behind the scenes. Something's getting pushed around out there. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. there's things, there's wickedness in high places, there's things taking place out there, and when things get worse, this is totally contrary to what the world would understand. That's when you ought to start rejoicing. <laughs> you know, devil's taking a beating back there. Them devil them demons are getting stepped on someplace, they're throwing a fit. I told you last time, you'll understand this. When I used to preach over the, at the uh, nursing home, we preached in the kitchen. And every time I preached from Isaiah 53, oh, man, so powerful. I was every time I preached, the demons would just come alive in that place. And we, I was preaching one day, and a plate full of food come flying out of the kitchen. <laughs> I said, boy, them, de- <laughs> them devils, that demons are upset. You know why? I started pushing them around. That was so powerful. And we used to laugh a lot. Melissa and I would laugh about that a lot because every time we started preaching on that, people would just come unwound. I mean, people would start shouting out loud, just saying stuff, start choking on things. I mean, stuff start flying around. That's how powerful the it's the word of His power. It's the word that gets people born again, baptized with the Holy Spirit and takes them to heaven. You don't think the devil's trying to to stop that? Yes, he is. He's still in that business. Look at that. He that's joined to the Lord, one spirit. you got to have that foundation. We are first and foremost living spirits. You have a soul, and you live in an earth suit. We call it a body. But first and foremost, you need to get this riveted in your being, in your understanding right now. You are a living spirit. You are as Christ is. Your mind will say, that surely can't be me. And that's when you have to tell your mind to shut up. (laughs) yes I am I mean you can argue with yourself for a while there but you can win out you can do it praise God first and foremost your living spirit the book of Acts says we have have our life movement and being in him you have your being in him not about him your being is in him you know this ought to give you great confidence in your prayer now I'm going to jump over into this because we don't have a whole lot of time but I want you to see this right here Look at this next point. Number five, pray in tongues. Let me tell you something. Satan will fight this more than anything else, and here's the reason why. First Corinthians 14:2, "For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but who but unto God." You know what we call that prayer. If you speak in an unknown tongue, you speak to God, not to men. We we call that prayer. This is special prayer, for no man understands him. It's not a known language. It's not French, it's not German or some variation thereof. It is a special language that God understands, that He's ordained, howbeit He speaks mysteries, not who done it. <laughs> the mysteries are secrets, hidden secrets in knowledge. Now listen. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying by the Spirit of God. It's God's secrets, His words that you're praying. When, and Paul said this, when you pray in the Spirit, your mind is unfruitful. You know what that means? You can skip over your mind. Sometimes when you pray, you have a tendency to say, God, I think I got this worked out. Now this is what I want you to do. This is what's going on over here. This is the problem, and this is what Aunt Susie needs to do, and this is what I need over here. Here's a better way to pray. This is an awesome way to pray because now look, you're dealing with what God knows here. You skip over your mind and you start praying in the Spirit. Look at number six. In your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. In your spirit, you have the mind of Jesus. You think He knows anything? He's your Savior. He's the one that he's your mediator. He's your intercessor at the right hand of the Father. Look at this. He says, he, we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who knoweth the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 John 2.20 But we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. Is that in your mind? Nope. I don't know everything. I can take tests and prove that. <laughs> when I was in school... Man, there was no doubt I did not know all things. Teacher knew that right off the bat. Paul said, we know all things. Where's that at? In your spirit. So now let's put this together. You're praying the secrets, the hidden secrets, the knowledge of God. You're praying by the Spirit of God. You're, you're praying you know all things. You have the mind of Christ. Why would you want to spend so much time trying to pray from your mind? God's given you a better way to do this, a better way to pray. Now, do you understand why Satan fights this so much? Oh, that's tongues talkers. Well, oh, that stuff is, ooh, that's up the devil. Oh, that's just a bunch of gibberish. Let me tell you something. He can't understand what you're saying. He can't understand this. This is not a known language. He only operates in the flesh. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not ever-present. He doesn't know everything unless you think that he does and you give him that power over you. But listen, this is so important for you to understand. I'm gonna, I'll challenge you to spend more time praying in the Spirit. Satan will fight that. Your mind will fight it. There are people around you say, oh, you know, that kind of stuff. Man, people have all kinds of ideas about praying in the Spirit. And I remember when I first did it, I was so taken back by it. But I didn't quite understand. As I'm telling you tonight, I didn't understand the real purpose of it until later on in life the Lord began to reveal this to me and I began to see some tremendous results in it. we got just a little bit of time right here. Look at number seven. Praying in tongues is praying the perfect will and knowledge of God. You know something? <laughs> no matter what you're praying about, here's how I do it. I said, God, here's the situation. You know it. I don't know how to pray about it. It's so complicated. It's so, it's so hard. There's so many people involved. I don't see the solution for this. But here I'm picturing it in my mind and I'm going to pray about it in tongues. Amen. You realize you're praying the perfect will of God. You're praying the perfect solution. Does that take a lot of load off of you? Does that take a load of load off of your mind, a lot of stress off of you? You know, you ever prayed about something and then later on you think, well, God, I, I, did I get that right? Did I leave that part out? Uh, oh, yeah, here's a P.S., God. <laughs> you, you start doing it, and then you get confused, and you think, well, God, you know, did you get it all the first time? Well, here, i got to pray it again. When you pray in the Spirit, you'll pray perfectly. Man, what a way to pray. Why would you not want to do this and do it all the time? Paul said, Paul said I pray in tongues more than any of you. You know why? Because he learned he wrote more than two-thirds of the New Covenant by praying in the Spirit. He received revelation knowledge. He asked for interpretation. You could do that. God will give it to you. Now look at this. I have on there Isaiah fifty five eleven. God said, So shall the word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. That means empty. Not working. But it shall. When God says something shall, it's a done deal. But it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It's His words when you're praying in the Spirit. What did He say about His words? Do we have the written word? The word you pray in the Spirit, it's going to accomplish, it's going to prosper. You know what the hardest thing for Christians to do is? There's a rest unto the people of God. Once you pray, you rest. God is working. It's happening. It's working. It's happening. The hardest thing, your flesh will say, I don't see nothing. I don't feel nothing. I don't get any goosebumps. Oh, it's not working, God. I tell you, I must have blown it somewhere. No, you pray in the Spirit. You've prayed perfectly. How could you not? Isn't this awesome? Isn't this wonderful? Doesn't this take a lot of load off when you understand this? Look at this. John, and this is not in your notes, but I added this. James 1.17. Every good. And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's no variableness in me. There's no shadow of my turning. I'm always looking at you. You're always in the forefront of my mind. I carry your picture in my wallet. I got your picture on my mantle above my fireplace. There's no variableness in me. I'm never mad at you. I'll never change. My covenant of peace will never be removed from you. My covenant of kindness. He said, there's no variable. There's no change in me. And then the Lord said, there ain't in you either. I said, God. He said, that's in your spirit. That's the new creation. You're always looking at me. There's no variableness in you. Isn't that awesome? In your mind, there can be. In your flesh, there is all of these things, but not in your spirit. You are as Jesus is. There's no variableness in you. You've got to come from there. That's an awesome foundation for you. In Jesus' name. How good is that? How good is that? Does that put a whole new perspective on praying in the spirit? You know what I? You know when the Lord gave me these revelations, began to speak to me about this. Man, I just my my tongues just kicked in gear. <laughs> I start, you know, I find myself. I'm I'm. It's going so fast. But you know what? You know God picked that up. You know what? He picked that up. And brothers, and t- sisters. I'm telling you, this is the way you need to go in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I got through just about on time. And I didn't even stand up here with my head in the projector this time either. <laughs> y'all, should, y'all should have told me that. Y'all didn't. Y'all just hit that <laughs> on me. All right. Praise God. Let me pray a minute here, and then I'm going to turn it back to the pastor. Father, in Jesus' name, you love us so much. You love us so much, Father, that you actually pray for us. <laughs> it's your words. It's your words. All we have to do is cooperate. All we have to do is agree. Father, we're so thankful that we we're able to do this. It's not of our power, it's not of our might, but by your Spirit. And Father, we fully accept, we fully expect at the things that we pray about, the things that, that come into our hearts, the things that are about us, the mountains, the, all of the things that come against us in this life. We pray, Father, as we pray in the Spirit and we pray with understanding and agreement with your word, we know, God, it will accomplish. It will prosper. It's going to be all right. Thank you, God, that things are as good as they are in this old world. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. Maybe.